0: Thank you for watching this virtual lecture event. For those of you who are new, IWP is a Graduate School of National Security and International Affairs. We have five master's degree programs, 18 certificates of study, and a new doctoral program. We also offer the opportunity to take a single course without having to pay an entire semester's worth of tuition cost. One can also audit such a course at a much less cost. If you're interested in learning more about us, please visit iwp.edu. This afternoon, we'll be hearing from Dr. Mark Hodikevich. Dr. Hodakiewicz holds the Kosciuszko Chair in Polish Studies at the Institute of World Politics and leads IWP's Center for Intermarium Studies. At IWP, he also serves as a professor of history and teaches courses on geography and strategy, contemporary politics and diplomacy, Russian politics and foreign policy, and mass murder prevention in failed and failing states. He's the author of Intermarium, The Land Between the Black and Baltic Seas, and numerous other books and articles. He holds a PhD from Columbia University and has previously taught at the University of Virginia and Loyola Marymount University. Dr. Hodikevich, welcome. The floor is yours.
1: Well, thank you very much. It's business as usual. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Business as usual at the Institute of World Politics. We'll continue with our Intermarium uh, Lecture Series. This time, we'll talk very briefly about how Germany won, and then it collapsed. So back to World War I. First, a couple of remarks by uh, witnesses and
2: prominent historians.
1: Viktor Sukenitsky had this to say about the first half of 1918. The February 1918 crisis led to an ostensible complete triumph for the Germans. Their victory in the East appeared to be definite, and it seemed that nothing could prevent them from realizing even the most far-reaching goals despite the formal peace treaty with the soviet russia signed on march 3 1918 the germans continued their victorious march southeastwards not merely daydreaming about the permanent possession of these lands the germans intended to fully exploit their economic resources for the needs of the war and discuss their role in position uh, and position in uh, the future world under German hegemony. However, the victory in the West was still needed for the ultimate achievement of this hegemony. Next is uh, uh, Vejas Julievicius a Lithuanian scholar. German occupiers faced in these conquered territories a past into which they could not effectively insinuate themselves while the region's dense tangle of living historical associations denied the conquerors a place. According to Jesse Kaufman, that the failure of Germany's Polish policy led to a shameful collapse of the German occupation in Congress Poland is completely due To the Jewish Communist Revolution in the German homeland and its effects on the Eastern territories under occupation. This is a quote from Wolfgang von Kries, the chief of the civilian uh, administration of the German occupation of the Kingdom of Poland.
2: And now on to the topic. In March 1918,
1: Because of the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk, the Kremlin formally agreed to cede the entire intermarium to the Germans. The latter pro forma co-opted increasingly less significant Austrian
2: allies. But
1: even before the Western part of the Intermarium came under the German occupation in the middle of 1915. The Hohenzollern and Habsburg empires applied the rule of divide and impera, rule, uh, divide and rule, as far as the nationalities under their jurisdiction, were concerned. On the one hand, the empires allowed the natives to organize to a certain degree the national institutions at the local level. On the other hand, they unleashed the locals against one another, which resulted in the intensification of pre existing local conflicts and antagonisms. The aim, from the very beginning to the end, was to impose the imperial will upon the natives who were supposed to serve the Germans obediently. However, German. however, the German persecution had unintended consequences, namely among non-historic popular entities, there emerged nationalism. Among historic nations, their nationalism was strengthened. The administration was convinced of the malleability of ethnicity in a land where they found ethnic affiliations fluid and shifting, yet, the result of German policy was the opposite of what was intended. The regime's irrational economics embittered populations and forced natives to see the crisis and their dire future prospects in terms of nationality and conflicting cultural values. In one sphere after another, Oberost's drive for control undercut attempts at manipulation. Generally speaking, the Germans and the Austrians considered the Poles to be their greatest threat in the intermarriage. Therefore, the occupiers
2: generally tended to support the
1: nationalisms of the non poles They kept the Lithuanians on a short leash almost until the very end. First and foremost, however, they supported Ukrainian nationalism. To this end, in the spring of 1918, the occupiers became main protectors of the puppet Ukrainian state in the East. Meanwhile, they considered Belarusian nationalism a farce. So they really dismissed this phenomenon. They were, however, convinced that if they support Ukrainian nationalism properly, something may come to fruition out of this. Initially, therefore, the Germans performed a resurrection of a leftist coalition government of the Rada, which had been chased away by the Bolsheviks. At the end of 1917 and beginning of 1918, when it turned out that that government is not sufficiently viable, acquiescent, the Germans created a conservative monarchist regime, the so-called Hetmanat, under Pavel Skoropatsky. But in no instance were the Ukrainian puppets allowed to establish their armed forces. This was, after all, the rule of conduct by the occupiers, as far as all their clients, virtually all their clients were concerned. Berlin also assisted the Lithuanians and to a much lesser extent Latvians, Estonians, and Belarusians, but mainly in an instrumental way. The Germans argued that those nationalisms were less developed and therefore they constitute a much lesser threat for Germany because those people lacked an educated and wealthy elite. This was the opposite of the poles. According to this line of reasoning, only the Poles were capable of presenting organized resistance against the Germans. Therefore, the Poles needed to be fought, they needed to be discriminated against and balanced with local non-Polish ethnic nationalisms. For For similar reasons, certain consideration was shown to Jews, in particular by Berlin. In no case would the Germans create independent states for those nations, and they completely abhorred the thought to form national armed forces for each of the people of the intermarit. Naturally, the collapse of central powers on the Western Front in November 1918 completely eliminated all
2: the plans of the Second Reich in the East. It was not an accident
1: that until then, and from then, There was tactical cooperation between retreating Germans and the Bolsheviks against the Poles. The war was over in the West, but it continued in the East.
2: Thank you very much.